1: This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill.
2: Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill.
1: 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leafs talk starts now.
3: Hey, what's happening? It's a Thursday edition of Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill brought to you by PointsBet Canada and Montana's. What's happening on this Thursday, Rosie? I can't believe it. We're one more sleep away from our alumni box tour tomorrow.
0: Ah, That's true, man. Me and my brother are getting ready. I'm feeling a little bit better about myself and I'll be a little more ready to go. Hopefully you're over the, the nasty stomach flu, so we'll be ready to rock this
3: weekend. Yeah, so I should preface by saying, so Rosie's coming down tomorrow. He messages me like Monday. He's like, just so you know, I'm probably taking it easy in Toronto after what transpired in Vegas. He had a rough weekend in Vegas. Don't we all have a rough weekend in Vegas? But I, I, I figured the tune would change as we got closer to the big night and the the pasta and the press box and the, uh, the copious amounts of alcohol. I think we'll be rolling tomorrow night. I just have that feeling. I think we'll
0: be all right. Maybe I'll play uh, I'll play the role of uh, taking care of you two dummies a little bit more than I normally would, but that's about as far as I think I'll be able to manage myself.
3: Yeah. yeah, fair enough. We'll see how long that lasts. Remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out. And don't forget to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest in all things Toronto Maple Leafs. Also, as we mentioned in the last couple of days, we've got a brand spanking new YouTube page for all of you to sub- subscribe to. Easy for me to say. At theleafsnation401 on YouTube. At the Leafs Nation 401 on YouTube, as you see on your screen, we've got a lot of clips and interviews and and all and shorts and everything to, to put up there. So make sure to check that out because we will be creating over full time over the next couple of weeks, three weeks or so, where we'll be doing our live show from there. So that's at the Leafs Nation 401, uh, thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, drop us a line down in the chat down below here on YouTube. We'll get to them a bit later on. We've got a big guest on today's show as well. And about 10 minutes from now, from 32 Thoughts, the podcast. From Sportsnet, from Hockey Night in Canada, the NHL Insider himself, Elliot Friedman's going to pop by. And Jay, we're going to get into some trade questions. I know you love that.
0: Yeah, why not uh, break that open if you're going to talk to someone? He's he's one of the best men out there. But, um, you know, for people that don't know Elliot Friedman as well, you know, when we started this show, man, I'd been kind of out of the game for many many years and i was only as big of an impact player as i was and he still reaches out man hits me up on my dms and says hey dude great to see you in the media um good luck with the show you know i'll be watching you guys and it's just like dude for you to follow up on on that many people and care about that many people he's truly one of the good guys in the game and i don't think you could scour scour the hockey world and find anyone that would say a bad word about elliot friedman so excited to have him on again and and pick his brain a little
3: bit about what this team's uh, doing behind the scenes. And of course it uh, comes full circle. I did my hardest work behind the scenes and I coaxed Elliott into coming on this show in about 10 minutes from now. So that's coming up, but for now let's get over the boards. Hey, you like the description air Marner. Uh, What a game for Mitch Marner. What a game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They stuck with it. The fact that for the second straight game, Ilya Samsonov outduels a premier net miner in this league. Marner wins it in OT, and Samsonov 14 0 1 at Scotiabank Arena. Impeccable, Rosie.
0: Yeah, that's unreal, man. We're, uh, I mean, you go back to September when everyone's rolling their eyes and saying what they were saying about getting these two goaltenders. And, you know, I don't think that there was a reason to doubt him at the time. First rounder and, you know, things didn't work out in Washington. It's not very often guys wave a first round goalie and just kind of let him go. But, you know, you, you know, there was lots left in the in the tank for him and he's a talented goaltender. And, you know, for whatever happened with him in uh, in Washington, I mean, you got to remember that was the covid bubble and there was all kinds of garbage to deal with personally and mentally. And I just think that uh, we scooped him up and had a had a guy uh, like Matt Murray to to be a tandem with him. And so far, it's gone unbelievably. So you're not hearing anyone saying too much about him right now, are you?
3: You're not. Uh, that is for sure. And a really, really strong pickup for Cal Dubis and company in the offseason. What a finish by Marner once again. We were talking about him in the Points Bet Canada bet of the play, or better the day yesterday. How he could pick up his play considering he didn't get a point the other night against the Islanders. How the Rangers ended his point streak and then he promptly scores the, uh, the OT winner here in a beauty at that. The 400th career point for William Nylander. The beat goes on for him. Thought Timothy Lilligren, too, was really, really good last night. Had one and one. He's really stepped up as of late, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, I think so, too. They're giving him a lot more minutes, and he seems to just be super responsible. And you can tell they're putting more faith in him right now. And, you know, more often than not, you're just seeing him doing solid things. And, You know, a lot of defensemen like him, you you feel like they had a good night if you didn't notice them too much. And I think that's why some guys like him don't get the accolades maybe that they deserve. But then he steps up last night with with some big plays and getting points on the board. And it's nice to see when a guy steps up like that. And I think he's deserving of it. And I think that keeps putting some uh, faith in him as well with the amount of minutes that he's been uh, gobbling up here the last few weeks as well. So that's just solid to see this time of year.
3: What was Sabanajad doing on that OT winner? Can you explain to me? Dude, that's the
0: second overtime where I'm watching a guy. Like, they must have like some kind of plan where it's just like if I have eyes yeah. on a guy, I am locked on him and I am not moving. But for a guy like Sabanajad with his understanding of the game and his vision and his knowledge of like what uh you know, what a scoring chance is and whatnot. He looked like his controller came unplugged and he was just, it died. he just literally let Mitch Marner just walk right around. Didn't even swing a stick at him. Didn't even take an extra little C cut to try to make it a tougher angle. It was hilarious. I don't know what he was
3: doing. Yeah, Yeah, I think they were playing man-to-man, to to be honest, and maybe give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think also the Rangers are waiting for Austin Matthews to come on the ice because David Kempf took the opening face off. So I think they're waiting to reset at that, but Marner's like, the hell with it. And I think you realize when a defenseman, or when a forward, I should say, is, is skating backwards, and he took full advantage. But you're right. It was like the controller died, and Zibanejad looked behind, and it's like, oh, Marner's already passed with him. He, he took him off the dribble, to use an NBA term, right?
0: Yeah, it, it, whatever it was, it was gross. And sometimes it's funny because you're going to start with some pretty high offensive players. And if they don't uh, win that draw and they get hemmed in their D zone, sometimes they just look lost. And it was a pretty bad one there for uh, for Big Z. All
3: right, so let's roll this video. And I caught this, luckily. I don't miss this type of stuff. You know this, Rosie. Uh, maybe I'm too old school for the new demographic and generation. But let's roll this clip from my Twitter yesterday in the game. <laughs> So Keandre Miller hammers Timothy Lilligren up for debate whether it's a penalty. It wasn't called a penalty, but look at the flybys around Miller after the hit was delivered. This is like, where do you want to start, Rosie?
0: Well, it's tough. It's that line that was out there. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to see Michael Bunting just spring load his gloves chuck a couple at them then wrestle them down to the to the ice and you know get up in front of their bench and says you don't pull that shit on this team you know and that's what you'd love to see but at the end of the day that's a pretty big boy there with Miller and man the guy's just like didn't see that nobody saw that right but it's tough watching that kind of stuff obviously you don't want Marner Matthews jumping in there we've talked about that on this show that's the last thing they need to do I'd love it if Bunting had a little bit more in the tank as far as doing more than just mouthing off but someone on twitter recently said that he's literally the new tucker right now and i just oh my <laughs> eyes went back to uh you know some of the rock'em sock'ems that i threw in the VCR, scene, the way tucker played and i was just like man what a bad take that is because i think i said tucker would have spring-loaded his gloves into the stands and swan dived into the bloody bench at that point in time but uh none of that from this Leafs team and I wish they'd have a little bit more grit I'd wish a guy like Angval, who is 6'5 200 and whatever would have a little bit more jam in there and was capable of grabbing a guy by the scruff of the neck and saying hey that's not happening and whatever happens after that you just do it you just wrestle the guy do what you got to do and some guys just uh it's not even in their in their minds
3: I understand it's not their forte but like cross check him or something like i get it and that's the oldest excuse while he's like half his size and for marner like i think it even looks worse for marner to like half grab him but like your impression of keandre miller after that hit like he's he's strolling through like central park on a sunday morning (laughs) not a care in the world (laughs) after there there's no retribution i don't even know if anybody from the the bench batted an eye like i've never seen that uh maybe in the last like 10 days at least from this team
0: And I've felt that before where you, where you do some, a big hit or do something that draws, you know, the crowd's attention and everyone stands up and you look around you're like, nobody, nobody's going (laughs) to touch me. And even the guys on the bench are kind of looking down at their skates. You're like, oh man, I can like, that's a green light. I can do whatever I want out here and there's going to be no answering for it. And that's, that's a mindset that you don't want to have the other team. Having when when you're playing against them, you want them to know that, hey, we better tread lightly here because they're not going to let us get away with too much. And I think that just sets the table for them to do whatever they want. Luckily, they don't have too much on their side to to really try to run us out of the building. And it's not that style of hockey anymore. I get it. But it is a mindset that I don't think you want your opponents to have against you.
3: Yeah, we're not going to get too hung up on it, obviously, but I just, I couldn't help but chuckle just at nobody really doing much. Like, even Matthews did a skate around, but you're right. Like, it's also to the point, like, it's the wrong line on the ice, but, like, let them know you're there, right? Like, the old slap shot line, and it's and maybe it's too scrum. much to preach. Yeah, like, do something, man. Like, I don't know. I just made, did I did I overreact to that, Rosie? Not really. It is
0: what it is. It's the wrong line out there. But just the three of them could just converge right on that guy and grab a piece of his jersey and get visor to visor against him. And no one's going to take a penalty there. No one's fighting, but just be like, hey, that doesn't fly, pal. You do that again, we're going to be having a different kind of talk or whatever. Even if it's total BS, you can start a scrum in there and just let the whole building and the whole bench know that we're not just going to skate by and watch
3: and pretend we didn't see that because it's a bad luck. So against a team like Tampa, who we expect Toronto to play in the first round, wh- what does your ideal bottom six look like? like? We know we talked about it a bit yesterday, but would you have a Simmons in there? Would you have a Dryden Hunt? Do you think they need sort of that bit of kick and edge, at least for game one of that series? I know we're talking about game one like two months away, but whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think about when the playoffs starts and there's all those series is going on and you're trying to figure out what game to watch and it doesn't matter what one you watch. The opening draw and the opening five, 10 minutes of every first round playoff series is just banging and crashing and dumping and chasing and banging and chirping. And it's just like super intense. These guys are not banged up yet. They've been prepping for this all year. And I mean, you don't want to get the tone set against you early where you get kind of almost run out of the building physically. You got to have some kind of an answer. And I would love it if Simmons could find his way into this lineup and stick around in there. And I mean, I think he's the perfect guy. I've been saying all year, he's capable of playing minutes. He's a phenomenal hockey player. He's got so many games and so much on his resume. And then his toughness is next to none. I mean, he could literally fight and handle himself against any person in the league not that you fight in playoffs but it's just that it's just that you know presence where you can bang and crash and grab a guy by the back of the neck and say hey I'm gonna put you through the wall if you even think about doing something like that and and people guys know that and they they adjust their game accordingly and I'd love to see a little bit more of that in the Leafs lineup especially coming
3: playoff time yeah certainly a different ball game as you reference come game one of the stanley cup playoffs without further ado let's bring him in our feature presentation on today's show from the 32 thoughts podcast from sportsnet from hockey night in canada it's elliot freeman what's going on E?
5: not much guys how you guys doing jay good to see you man
0: you too man i was uh pumping your tires a little bit earlier good to see you and one of the good guys in the game man it's great to see you live
5: it's great to see you too. Enjoy listening to the show. I enjoy watching you guys. Like I used to joke that Justin Bourne and, uh, and Anthony Stewart, when they did a lot of radio together, I called them the arsonists. They used to set fire to everything. I'm glad to see that you guys have kind of picked up the slack. It's really good.
3: That's the best thing because Rosie was just talking. He's like, how does Elliot Friedman know, A, that I did a show, and B, even remember me from the NHL? But that's the one thing I've learned about you. You, you know everything, Elliot.
5: Well, I, I don't know I would say that. I think I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on out there that you don't know. But, you know, the thing I really remember about Jay was when he got called up to the Leafs. Well, first of all, like the thing is, you always have great respect. Like if you play one game in the NHL, you're the elite of the elite. Like just to play one game in the NHL makes you an elite player. But I remember, Jay, Dallas Aikens told me a story that you got called up, I think, for like 10 games in a row, he started your line in the Marlies. And uh, you guys went on an unbelievable tear. And I'm listening to what you were just saying about the lightning in the first five, 10 minutes of a of a playoff series is all about banging and crashing. He said that you got called up after he started your line in the with the Marlies about 10 games in a row and the Marlies had a great record. And he said that he wasn't surprised at all that you got your call up at that time because it, you loved it. you. You just love going out there and setting the tone and being on the ice for the first shift. You knew you were out there to run over people and let the the opponent know that the Marlies meant business. So I always do remember that about you.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was a good time, Dallas. I loved his his coaching style, and he put a little bit more faith in me than other guys did. And that line we had there, we were just – we dumped the puck and crash, and we were getting points off our asses and off our legs and all kinds of different things. It was a fun time. And then, uh, yeah, when you do that down there, sometimes you get the call. So it was uh, nice to be in that organization, being coached by Dallas for sure.
3: All right, Ellie, let's get into the, awesome. uh, the conversation. Uh, obviously, the trade deadline, okay. March 3rd. Looking forward to Sunrise next weekend as well. I'm sure you'll be there. Uh, so the trade conversation, yep. uh, is there a certain player that comes to mind right away that you think would be a perfect fit for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now?
5: Well, I, I'm one of those people who, th- who wonders if they should be looking more to forward than defense. Uh, I am. Um, but I think the, the question is not what we think, it's what do they think. And I think since Muzzin's been out, their default has been we have to get a defenseman that plays like Muzzin does. Now, I think at times, because of the way their D has played this year, that they have, I don't know if wavered is, is the right answer but I do think internally they have thought, are we good enough here to go start focusing on something else? And the number one thing I think they've said internally is we have time, because they probably won't be able to do much until right before the deadline. So we better, but we better be sure. I think the way their D is played has given them some rethinking on this. I just think at the end of the day, look, there's the regular season, and there's the playoffs. They are two different leagues. And people blame the referees, and I get it, but the bottom line is, I am one of those people who believe that players change more than the officials do. That you cannot play 28 games in the playoffs, sorry, you cannot play 82 games in the regular season like you play 28 games in the playoffs. It's just not possible. I think it's a rougher, meaner, nastier game And I think that they, like, put it this way, any defenseman who could be available, I think they've called on. I think they've called the team and said, what are you thinking? What are you looking at? What's it going to cost us? What are we going to need to do? And I think they've collected all that information. Any forward who's been available, I think they've done that to some degree too. But what I I think the biggest question is going to be, what do they think they need? Because I do think it was a muzzin type the moment he went down. But at the very least, I think they've reconsidered or taken a look at what does this mean the way that D has played this year.
3: We've seen a, a lot of line shuffling in the bottom six lately. And and maybe there's just me just rethinking. But do you think the Leafs are quietly setting the table potentially for like an Engvall or, or, or a Kerfoot going out the door to free up some money if they have to do something substantial here?
5: Yes, I do think that's a possibility. Um, the, the one thing that... The one thing I think about uh, Dubis is he will do things like that. I don't think he's afraid of things like that. The one thing about Kerfoot in particular, and I have been told this uh, several times, that don't forget that Keith really trusts him. Keith really trusts Kerfoot. I'm freaked out by my picture being up in two of these sides of the screens here. I'm completely <laughs> mesmerized by it. Um, but, uh, like, and right now, as you showed, he's on the fourth line. And what I think, this is my opinion, but I know that Keith really trusts Kerfoot. <laughs> I know that he hasn't scored as much as everybody would have hoped. But if you watch him, he gets put out in situations that you don't get put out in unless the coach believes you can do a job. And I think that for and I and I know the organization listens to Keith on this kind of thing. They do trust their coach. They trust their his opinion. I my my belief is before they move on for Kerfoot, they have to convince Keith that there are other options. I think they'd like Holmberg to be one of those guys. They were really hoping that Holmberg would be a player this year. And even though his face offs are a little bit of a struggle, he's showing that he's gonna be something. But in Kerfoot's case in particular, I think they're going to have to convince Keefe that uh, he he can't do the job or someone can do the job better. Rosie, you got one? Yeah. And like,
0: you know, talk a little bit, Elliot. I mean, you, you go on Twitter and you're looking around to fans and people who aren't really in the game as much. And, you know, they, they'll they say things like just trade Kerfoot and trade Engvall and and do this and do that. <laughs> and they don't understand like. How hard is it to put together, not just a trade, but a trade that you feel like you're winning? You don't just make a trade for the sake of making it, but like for someone to mm-hmm. take Kerfoot at three and a half million dollars or Angvall at almost two and a half million dollars is a difficult thing to do. And you got to convince them to give you something that you think is even more valuable than that when those guys probably aren't even playing up to their cap crunch right now. So just put in perspective how difficult it is for GMs to work those phones and to, to actually get a deal in place.
5: I think it is hard. I think it, it's really hard this year, Jay, when, uh, and, uh, and the phrase I use is constipated. We've got a constipated league because there's no cap room and so many teams are at LTIR. I think that makes it even more difficult. Kerfoot's case is a little interesting because most of his salary is paid. So I, I think the good thing about Kerfoot is that um, his bonus is done. So um, like his, his actual cash is very low, and I think that will make him attractive. In a lot of cases, Jay, yes, you have to attach something to move these players. The one thing I'm starting to wonder about here, though, is I'm beginning to wonder if this is going to be a buyer's market. I, 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 I've heard there are some teams out there that are trying to sell who are a little bit worried that there aren't going to be a ton of buyers. And therefore, the sellers are worried that they might, you know, be the person who goes home alone at the bar at 2 a.m. if they don't do something. So, and I think some of the buyers are really hoping that's the case, um, that uh, some of the sellers might panic. We'll see if that happens.
3: Yeah, the Montreal Canadiens are one team that comes to mind right away, even like an asset like Sean Monaghan's had a pretty good season, but you look at the center depth in the market at that front, so it should be intriguing on that front. Uh, The name that always comes up, as you know, in the Maple Leafs market, Matthew Nyes. Uh, If the right deal comes along, is it your understanding the Leafs would be open to having that conversation?
5: Well, the one thing I, I think about Dubas is he doesn't shut anything down. But I think he has guidelines. Like, I remember last year he told teams that he's not trading knives for a rental. Like, he's not doing that. And I would suspect that's still the same. You know, the, the one thing I think about a lot is I think a lot about Anthopoulos and, and the way he left. And Anthopolis took his shot. And the reason he took his shot was, if you'll remember, the, the Blue Jays didn't have a great record that year, but their run differential was excellent. And he took a shot based on that, and it, it proved he proved that he was right to take that shot. I think Dubas will take a shot with this team because I think they're good. Like, you know, the, the biggest, what's the biggest challenge Toronto has? You guys have talked about it. They're getting a team who's lost one playoff series in three years in the first round of the playoffs. The division is brutal, and that's what they've got. I think Dubas will take a shot. I just think that um, the one thing about him is that he said, he won't do knives for a rental. And I would be very surprised to see him change that stance.
3: couple more, and I'll get you out of here. So we had Anthony Stewart, my good buddy, on the show last week. You guys had a fantastic panel. I think it was last week where you were pulled on the next Pasternat contract, what that would look like. So, we're going to translate that to the Leafs world because there's a guy named Willie Nylander. Elliot's having a remarkable year, Mm -hmm. eligible for a new contract as early as uh, next summer. What's that next contract look like for Nylander, in your opinion?
5: Well, I I think I'm going to use the old Lamorello line here. If you have time, use it. And because you got to do Matthews first. Like, I, I think they're going to want to have Matt. Like, there's no way we can go into next year without Matthews signed. No way. Like, can you imagine the gong show that's going to be all of next season if Matthews (laughs) enters the year unsigned? Like, you will not be able to talk about anything else. William Nylander just set a new NHL record with 14 points against the Savers. I'm sorry, how does this affect Austin Matthews' next deal? There's no (laughs) way that the Leafs are going into next year without that. Now, I have the belief that Matthews will resign. I'm not convinced it will be long-term, but I think he will resign. And then... Then we'll see where the cap goes. Like, like, the thing is that one of the things that we've learned here is that, you know, the the Toronto players and a lot of this generation of players is like this. None of them really took discounts. And it's easier to take discounts when you're winning. Um, and that at that point in time, they hadn't won yet. Like, the Canucks, when they had the Sedins, they took their biggest discount when the team could win the Stanley Cup. I'm really curious to see what all of these deals are going to look like if the players really believe they have a chance to win here. But Matthews okay, so goes last first. Qu- Matthews fair, goes yeah, first. That's,
3: that's fair. And uh, again, we'll see what happens come the springtime, but certainly the conversation will evolve after that, considering everything that happens beforehand. Uh, so last question. I've always wanted to ask you this and never have. You taught me at the College of Sports Media, if you do recall, for a couple months. We worked together at Sportsnet. How does one become an NHL insider is a question I've always wanted to ask you.
5: You know, I, I think it's FaceTime. Like, uh, like, you know, I've been around now. I'm an old man now, Nick. I've been around 30 <laughs> years in the business. Um, you know, I've been at Hockey Night in Canada. This is 20 years. Um, and I think it's just, you know, uh, it's being around. And, uh, you know, the thing that Jay talked about there, like, it, it's a big deal. Like, players talk about, this person's a, a good guy. This guy, th- this person's a, a, an ass. You can trust them. You can't trust them. Like n- nobody's going to be happy with you all the time. Like, uh, like this whole thing with Vancouver, like, uh, you know, I, I was right in the middle of that and it wasn't an easy thing because you know, it was, it was crazy town and people aren't going to be happy with you all the time and people aren't going to like you all the time. But at the end of the day, like, do you show your face? Uh, like, you know, if you say something, you know, negative, do you show your face and answer the bell or do you run away or do you just show up? Like players know, like, I remember the first year of the Raptors, um, one of the Raptors players told me, I can never remember your name, but I see you here every day. And, uh, like, that's the thing, like who's there every day. And generally, even though nobody's going to be happy with you all the time, Do you try to treat people well? And I do. I'm not perfect, but I try.
3: I remember you on uh, Headline Sports like it was yesterday. Uh, Elliot, really, really appreciate time, man. This is a lot of fun.
5: All right, guys. Uh, By the way, I did want to mention something else too, Nick. Like I heard Frank Ceravelli's report on uh, Jake McCabe about what it would cost to get him. I I thought that was really interesting, in particular that Frank had mentioned that uh, McCabe didn't have Toronto on his no-trade list. It, like I don't think Toronto's going to pay that price for McCabe. I looked into that one specifically, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to mention that. I thought it was a great report by Frank, but I'm not convinced. Uh, I'm not convinced Toronto's going there for that.
3: Sounds good. I no. think Timo Meyer's is the guy they should go after. Okay.
5: <laughs> you know i i I really I really love that on Meyer, and the because the one thing I I think about uh, Meyer is that. Um, like the thing with the Leafs is, you could do it and then flip them. And Dubis is the kind True. of guy who could think, who would think like that. Now the price is going to be enormous. Like that's, that's the one thing. Like, you know, Toronto doesn't have a ton of cap room. They don't have a ton of picks, and they want to keep their picks. I don't know if they have the juice to pull that deal off. Like, I think New Jersey is the team to watch there. I think that's the team that has made it clear they like Meyer and would really like to do it. So my question is, can Toronto outbid the Devils? And, and, I, and I think you look up and down, and you see if they can do that.
3: Fascinating. Uh, looking forward to seeing you at Elbow Room next week uh, in Fort Lauderdale, okay?
5: <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> take care. Thanks, Elliot. Take care. All right, One take of the care, premier establishments.
3: To you. Uh, you too. There is Elliot Friedman, and of course, Elbow Room, one of the premier establishments in Fort Lauderdale, right on the beach, and that's where Fanfare is going to be. A, l- a lot of great nuggets there, man. Like Elliot is an absolute G. Frank is as well. Like the OG of insiders, right there, back to back and and back to back weeks here on Leafs Morning Take. Strong couple weeks for us, Rosie.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's good to get that insight. And, you know, like he said, when you're in yeah. there long enough, it, it, you'd be surprised how small that hockey world is, man. Everybody knows everyone. You're going to run into the same people from from back here in these years and back in those years. And I remember you from here and we used to work together there. And when you when you got a good reputation and you're a good enough guy, you just start to have so many numbers in your phone, man. And you can kind of reach out. And if you're an honest, good guy, like he said, who's trustworthy, you can get a lot of information
3: out of people. All right, Rosie, speaking of information and people, time to put you on the spot right now. The wrap-up is brought to you by our friends at PointsBet Canada. I'll give you the floor, Rosie. Here you go,
0: bud. I can <laughs> see why you dumped this on me. It's just a garbage board tonight. There's just <laughs> garbage out here, like minus 400s all over the place. But anyway, I'm going to take a stab at, uh, at something, and it, it's always a fun game to watch. It's the Penguins versus the Capitals, Sid versus Ovi, and – I'm taking the uh, Penguins right now. I think you can get them close to even money, maybe about minus 105. And just based on their last game there with the big three going again, you saw the elation on, on Sid's face, both when he scored and Latang scored. Malkin's getting involved there. And I think they're going to start to roll. I think that core three is... Is uh going to start to show their, their veteran presence and their experience level. And the caps right now are on a little bit of a slide two game slide, so I'm just taking you now it's close to a coin flip. But my money's on the uh Pittsburgh Penguins right now with the uh you know the extra added added boost of having Latang back in business.
3: Cheers to that. Uh, I'm looking forward as well to the uh Boston and Tampa Bay game. I think if there's ever to take a shot on a team that's playing Boston, maybe it's Tampa. On home ice at Emily Arena. So potentially you look at that if you want to extract a bit more juice. Maybe take Tampa in regulation in that game. I know Boston's lost, what, like five times in regulation. But they're going to have to lose games at some point in time, you would think, over the next uh, 40-some-odd games. So two quick looks for you right there. I'm with you on the Pittsburgh front. They've just been a tough team for me to handicap this season. And quite frankly, Casey DeSmith, who's playing right now, because Tristan Jari's banged up, just scares the shit out of me, man. I'll be honest about it. 7-6 game against Florida the other night, but uh, I'm with you. We teammates ride together, right?
0: There you go, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll see if we can get me on the board here.
3: Yeah, so uh, just to wrap here, this is our final show of the week with us two together. I believe you'll be hitting me with the three hits with Rosie uh, tonight. You'll be uh, flying tomorrow as we get set. For uh the Leafs against your boy Claude Giroux and the Ottawa Senators. You think Giroux gonna showtime you by the way? If you walk by the room, will he just act like he doesn't know you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think so. If it's before the game he, he might just do a quick uh he might just do a quick what's up, buddy, and maybe a bro yeah. hug, but that's probably it
3: yeah so uh looking forward to that and uh suffice it is to say i i think you're going to be fired up you're going to be dancing on that flight over i get what's the over under on cocktails with you and your bro uh you know i'll set it at one and a half by the way for the flight over from calgary
0: oh shit, we'll, ha- we'll have to see we'll have to see uh, we're no stranger to <laughs> it either over. way but uh it's i'm just over. wondering how you're going to behave yourself with the open bar in the alumni box hopefully i'm not embarrassed
3: Buddy, I'm wearing a suit and tie for that affair. No, I'm not. Uh, We'll we'll dress accordingly. We'll we'll be good, good people. Obviously, I used to do some work for the Leafs and did their pregame and intermissions and postgame. So I'll be at my best act, but I'll be getting after it too. Somewhere in between, to answer your question. Does that work for you? Well, we'll have fun, buddy. We'll have fun. Just looking at the chat before we wrap, a lot of people complimentary of our interview with uh, Elliot Friedman, which we'll have out. You can check it out in, in its duration again at the Leafs Nation 401, our new YouTube page. Make sure to subscribe. Um, Meat writes in, will Nice get into the lineup after a season and o- is over? My best guess is yeah, and that's still a ways away. He's a Hobie Baker finalist, by the way, so good on him. He's had a really, really strong year. I think they'll give him a look. They need to sign him first and foremost. Uh, It's my expectation that he's going to turn pro and sign a new contract with the Leafs after his season. But that's a a big one to monitor, and certainly from the trade direction too. Uh, Tim writes in, is Calgary first period a win? Uh, Is Calgary first when period? I can't read this properly. Is Calgary first period when? I'm guessing he's taking Calgary in the first period. I don't know. Maybe Tim's had a couple a couple this morning.
0: <laughs> maybe still recovering from last night. But, hey, first period win. <laughs> Those are fun little bets to take, too. Who takes the first period and whatnot. So, there you go.
3: It's Calgary first period win. Uh, maybe I'm just trying to read it too directly. I think he wants a Calgary first period win. Uh, Yorkie writes in as well. Hunt, maybe. Not Simmons, though. His legs are gone. Okay. So, people do love pugnacity on this podcast. And, again, I will... Get off air here and laugh about that um, that little skirmish, if you want to call it, yesterday. Keandre Miller and the walk in the park. So, Rosie, excellent job. Uh, Big win for the Leafs last night over the New York Rangers. And looking forward to the weekend starts uh, tomorrow night. We'll be in attendance against the Ottawa Senators. I'll see you then, okay? Right on, man. Looking forward to it. All right. There you have it. That's Jay Rosehill. I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for listening and watching. And thanks again to Elliot Friedman.